As we come to 1 Corinthians 15, 58, I'm asking the question, what if you've raised children maybe for 18 years and just when they're ready to flourish in college, they die? Have you wasted 18 years of investment in that child? What if you've spent three years building your dream home and just a few weeks before you're ready to move in, it burns down. What if you've written a manuscript and the computer breaks down and you lose the entire thing? That's what, that's what this verse addresses. And the way we're going to look at the insight that it gives to our hope is by noticing the logic at the front end, therefore, and the back end, knowing. Father, as we try to establish our hearts for the losses of our lives, I pray that you will help our minds to think clearly and our hearts to be wide open to the glory of what this text promises. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Therefore, my beloved brothers, and she'll love it when Paul exposes his heart of affection for the readers. We should feel that from God, too. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Here at the front end is a therefore. And the therefore, of course, refers back to something and shows that what's coming here is based on something that just went before. And what just went before? Well, a whole chapter 15 on the resurrection that climaxes like this in 55 to 57. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory, victory over death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, therefore, since God has achieved through Christ a great victory over death, and death is not the last word in our lives, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, before we explain how that therefore works, we want to get to the end and look at the rest of the logic. But first, what's the main assertion or the main command? Be steadfast, that is, unshakable, unwavering, not blown around by every wind of doctrine or sent up and down by your circumstances, but deeply rooted, immovable. And that doesn't mean don't get out of bed, don't move a muscle. No, abounding in the work, work, work. So immovable here, immovable can't mean don't work, don't move. It, well, what does it mean? If, if you're going to be abounding in work and moving a lot, what does immovable and steadfast mean? That word immovable is used one other place. 
He will present you blameless if indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast, not shifting. There it is. That's the word. Not moved from the hope of the gospel. That's the kind of thing Paul has in mind. So Colossians 1.23. And you can find that sort of thing by looking in a concordance at what the Greek word is behind the English word. You don't have to know Greek to do that. And then find all the places where that Greek word is used. And here's one of the places. Not shifting from the hope of the gospel. So when he says, be steadfast immovable. He means when, when circumstances and situations become very difficult and you're tempted to move or shift your hope off of the gospel onto some, onto money, say, or onto fame or onto a, a, a marriage relationship that you know you shouldn't have. Don't do it. Be steadfast, be firm, be rooted, be unchanging, unfair flinching, unwavering. Don't move away from the hope of the gospel, but rather abound, abound in the work of the Lord. That means do lots of it, do lots of it. Be overflowing in the work of the Lord. What is the work of the Lord? Well, it's not just being a pastor or being a missionary or being a teacher in a Christian school, look at Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do, in word or deed, work, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I think changing a diaper, hammering a nail, if you do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Jesus, I'm loving you as I hammer this nail. I'm getting my strength from you. I'm seeking your glory, and I'm giving thanks to you. Turns everything into the work of the Lord. If you can't do it in the name of Jesus, you shouldn't be doing it, period. But if you do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, with a reliance upon Jesus and for the glory of Jesus, like this, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And when you do it to the glory of God in reliance upon Jesus, in the name of Jesus, then it becomes the work of the Lord. Which leaves us one last thing, knowing. Now, when you see a participle like that, we call that a participle in English, and it is in Greek, knowing that, the, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. What's the logic between that and what went before? Abound in the work of the Lord knowing. It's like um, the child jumped knowing daddy would catch him. Now, how would you paraphrase that to bring out the logic? The child jumped because he knew daddy would catch him. So it is here, Right? always abounding in the work of the Lord because you know something. You know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Now, that means we've got logic in front, which is supporting in this direction, and we've got logic in the back, which is supporting in that direction. So on uh, the main statement is um, overflow 
with the work of the Lord. And the first support, there's a little support there, is death is defeated. And I get that from chapter 15, 55 to 57. Death is defeated. We saw that back here. Therefore, abound in the work of the Lord. And then the other argument at the end starts right here. Knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Labor not in vain, not wasted. And my question is, how does this and this relate to each other as supports for that? Because both of them argue for this. How do they relate to each other? Wouldn't you agree death is defeated, therefore your labor is not in vain. Therefore, overflow with work. Which implies that our labor not being in vain, the labor of raising a child, the labor of building a house, the labor of writing a book that seems to all just go up in flames is not in vain. Why? Because death is defeated, which means that our reward is not just in this life, right? Isn't that the point? Death is not uh, the last word. Therefore, your labor is not in vain. Therefore, overflow with work. Just like Jesus said back here, when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. Nothing in this life is going to be repaid to you if you do this, except good conscience, because you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And therefore, death has been overcome. Therefore, you can abound in good work, overflow, never get weary, even if it looks like it's not paying off, because it'll never be in vain, because the reward comes not just in this life, but after death.